Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 563. Two. This is page 562, chapter 85, Interlude, Fences. Quoth sat upright in his seat, craning his neck to get a better look out the window. He was just holding his hand up to Chronicler when they heard a quick, light tapping on the wooden landing outside. Too fast and soft to be the heavy boots of farmers, it was followed by a high peal of childish laughter. Chronicler quickly blotted the page he was writing, then tucked it under a stack of blank paper as Quoth got to his feet and walked toward the bar. Bast leaned back, tipping his chair onto two legs. After a moment, the door opened and a young man with broad shoulders and a thin beard stepped into the inn, carefully ushering a little blonde girl through the doorway ahead of him. Behind him, a young woman carried a baby boy, sitting on her arm. The innkeeper smiled, raising a hand. Mary! Hap! The young couple exchanged a brief word before the tall farmer walked over to Chronicler, still gently ushering the little girl in front of him. Bast got to his feet and offered up his chair to Hap. Mary approached the bar, casually untangling one of the little boy's hands from her hair. She was young and pretty, with a smiling mouth and tired eyes. Hello, Coat. I haven't seen you two in a long while, the innkeeper said. Can I get you some cider? I pressed it fresh this morning. She nodded, and the innkeeper poured three mugs. Bast carried two over to Hap and his daughter. Hap took his, but the little girl hid behind her father, peering shyly around his shoulder. Would young Master Ben like his own cup? Coat asked. He would, Mary said, smiling at the boy as he chewed on his fingers. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. This is such a good characterization of this family, just on this page. Like, whom amongst us has not, you know, encountered a kid who's, like, a little too old to be a toddler, but still too shy to, like, talk to a strange grown-up that their parent is talking to, so they hide behind them? Yeah. I mean, like, even even kids, like, well into school age are are still like that sometimes yeah sometimes they are let's say for i mean i was definitely like helicopter parents (laughs) well i don't think it's anything to do with the parents really i think it's just like some kids you know i think that all kids are to a degree shy around new grown-ups and i think some kids get over that faster than others but i think it's like very common for like toddlers of my acquaintance to like even if they like met me before you know if they're if we're seeing each other we haven't seen each other in a while they won't they will like hide behind mom and dad because they are too shy to talk to me hell i'm still shy around new (laughs) grown-ups there you go well just i'm thinking of like the the little girl hiding and i'm like oh that was definitely me as a kid but like me and my sister raised by the same parents totally different reactions in those situations like i was i was the heidi kid and allegra would just like stand out in front of people and be like oh yes hello (laughs) so like we were definitely uh not helicopter parented but uh it produced two completely different results (laughs) i don't know jordana i kind of feel like your mom overcompensated like when allegra got too wild she instead of dealing with her just overparented you and and that's uh that's why that happened (laughs) I'm not saying it's impossible, but I feel like it's unlikely and also not on the podcast. <laughs> well, uh, it's funny you should mention that, Jordana, because we actually have a guest today. 
it's your mom no. and here she is <laughs> <laughs> oh my god if my mom ever hears the podcast oh my god what will i do <laughs> jordana i don't want you reading those devil books <laughs> oh it's not the book <laughs> it's not like my mom doesn't know we do the podcast she does i just hope she never listens to it it's not appropriate that you're reading. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding? My mom thinks I don't read enough. My mom and my sister are both those people who like can just they're actually they're just like you guys. They 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 digest books like their meals. Like they just like have so much ability to read books quickly and they just power through all sorts of books on all sorts of topics and I have no idea how. <laughs> Same way you get to Carnegie Hall. Uh, that joke went over my head. Practice. Yeah, Jeremy, are you are you like a, a 30s fast talker? Like, did you just travel through time? Because that, that feels like the most dated <laughs> pop culture reference I could possibly imagine. I don't I don't know. I feel like this is the joke that I, you know, that everyone has heard. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? How do you how? How? Tell Practice. Me. Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been practicing is, wait, my is whole the life. Joke, is the joke that you're like a lawyer and you like practice law? No, the joke is you, like, you know, practice. someone gets in a cab in New York City and asks how to get to Carnegie Hall and the cabbie says, practice, man, practice. I don't get it. Is it because it's hard to get around in a cab in New York City? Do you really not get it or are you winding me up right now? No, I genuinely don't get it. Carnegie like, Hall is a music venue. It is a concert hall. How do you get to play at Carnegie Hall? You practice. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. I Jordana, I don't approve of you hanging around with these lads and their poor humor. <laughs> Look. All right. Your poor humor aside and back to the p- book that we're actually reading. And also speaking of don't things. Don't talk back to me that way. I'm your mother. <laughs> How dare you talk to me that way? <laughs> Tell me I'm not the only member of this podcast who has seen Hereditary. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid that movie. It looks way too scary for me. It's, ah, uh, ah, uh, you got, I mean, it is absolutely terrifying, but it's also incredible. All right, back to what we're doing. And also things that are dated. I want my daughter to watch such filth. Right, dated things. Things that are dated. Jeremy's bad jokes. And also, uh, just because I feel like I noticed it, so I should mention it, but it doesn't actually bother me. Um, When uh, Quoth as a narrator, or what, I guess the narrator, not necessarily both in this case because now we're in an interlude anyway the narrator describes mary she was young and pretty with a smiling mouth and tired eyes and really that sentence says almost nothing except for the tired eyes and the smile like like smiling mouth and tired eyes could have been the sentence like 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 it's we already know that this is a young couple you don't really need the first half of that sentence but the smiling mouth and tired eyes tells you that like they they're they're a dutiful parent essentially like any parent of young children is probably smiling but also tired so if i could read between the lines even further uh it could be that they're on hard times as well it's not just that they're that they're young parents mm-hmm. but it might also be that things are tough for them yeah why hasn't quoth seen them in a while why does he need to see a scribe well i mean we're gonna we're about to find out 
Yeah, but I think that like her her tired smile is is a a foreshadowing of of what we're going to learn later. Indeed. Anyway, the back half of the sentence important, the front half of the sentence kind of useless. Like would it, why would does you it, think it like, was less useless if it said that she was young and homely? Or just she was young? Like what if we, we know don't... she's young? It's a young couple. They already he already states that they're a young couple, so we don't need to know that she's young. We don't need to know that she's pretty. I think what Jeremy's asking, and certainly what I'm, yeah, what I'm interested in is, would you feel differently if they didn't mention her appearance? I would. Yes, if they mentioned something that felt like it mattered, I would. I would care more. But in this case, her appearance doesn't affect how she of like how she acts in this scene and it's not like a point of interest like for instance like someone having like a mysterious scar on their eye or something like like that part of an appearance thing is like important but like no one cares that she's pretty being pretty isn't going to change her situation in the book right now i mean i i do care because my mental impression of most farm wives is that they are uh on a scale somewhere from homely to like unattractive because they've been like you know busting their asses in the field for 20 years so the fact that she's young and pretty actually does tell me something about her well you already know she's young so off the bat you don't need the word young but you also don't need the word pretty because whether she's homely or pretty or ugly doesn't actually affect her like how useful like this conversation is going to be in in the in the book or like how good of a mom she is. Like, it doesn't affect anything else. And it's also not a description. It's not like they're saying, like, he's, they're not giving a full description. If they were giving a full description of, like, oh, like, she had hair like this and whatever, like, maybe that would feel a little more important because, like, then you could paint a picture of that person in your mind. But, like, young and pretty is so vague. Yeah, but I I mean, I guess I kind of like that because then I can imagine her however I want within those parameters. She's yeah, not- but you could take out young and pretty and still have the smiling mouth and tired eyes and you would have as much information, pretty much. Well, except that now I don't know that she's pretty. Yeah, but why do you care? Well, because what I'm saying is- Yeah, the fact that I agree with Jordana. Hang on a second. I, I, have, a, I have a solution here. Now, I agree with Jordana um, just in general. I think that someone's appearance is being- called pretty and that's all is is not helpful is reductive um especially because we don't really have a pov narrator here to say they were pretty to this person we're just being told that she's pretty and that's kind of all we get out of yeah, it Yeah, it would be different if like this was quoth because if, if if it's quoth speaking he's saying that he thinks she's pretty that gives us something about quoth but right now the narrator but here's what quoth. i'm getting at uh this is important with a lowercase i because i don't think it is all that important um but it's kind of setting up the gag later on uh where quoth suspects that bast is the father of of this baby ben uh that bast has been canoodling with this pretty young wife uh, and has been perhaps adding to their marital problems so I think that her um, objective prettiness, as distasteful as it is to Jordana and myself, is important because uh, Bast would not trouble himself with a homely farmer's wife, uh, but he would trouble himself with a young and pretty farmer's wife. And I kind of think that's why this is inserted here. But uh, I agree, Jordana, it's a little bit distasteful. I think um, if this was written today, it might be approached a little bit differently. But to just toss off offhandedly that this character is pretty and that's kind of how we are introduced to her, 
Uh, it doesn't sit that right with me. Yeah, like it's not a big issue, but I did notice it on the page, so I thought it'd be worth mentioning. Fair enough. I also want to say that I think the less important a character is in your book, the less important it is to describe them specifically. And this character, I don't think, I think once this scene is over, we never see her again. So I, you know, how much time do you really want to spend? Well, there's also a contrast to be had here because how is Hap described to us versus in comparison to how is Mary described A young man with broad shoulders and a thin beard. So that is, I would say that's like, you know, 0.5% 0.5% more description than she gets. Cause we have like uh, a slightly more distinguishing feature to go on than uh smiling mouth and tired eyes. Right. We know that he has a beard, but say they had described him as like a young, handsome man. I would be fine with that. Personally. Then having her as a young, pretty woman, a line later is not a big difference. Right. That's that makes sense. But you're giving him like, enough qualities that you can paint a picture of him. You're not but I actually think that, like, but I, I mean, I guess to me, there's no difference between broad shoulders and a thin beard and smiling mouth and tired eyes. Those are like roughly equivalent to me. Right. But smiling mouth and tired eyes, isn't the issue. Smiling mouth and tired eyes, isn't the issue. The issue right. is young and pretty. You didn't right. say, Oh, well, well, Hap is young and handsome. Right. But I mean, he could have, and that would also be fine. Well, th- what I'm saying is it has to be both. Yeah, we need to examine the, like, we can't just let this slide anymore. Maybe when this book was written, when we weren't kind of thinking about these things, this was the kind of, like, subtle reinforcement of of kind of, like, gender norms and the way we present female characters that kind of went unexamined. But we do have to examine them now. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Like, it would be totally fine to say she's young and pretty if you also said he's young and handsome or or equivalent but but that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah, the objective is not to pass judgment and like say you're a bad person for thinking this is an okay way to describe a character because like you're not and it is okay. But what's changed since this book was written is that we need to think about it. We need to go, oh, you know, like what's the intention here? What is this saying? Because the only way to disentangle yourself from this kind of programming is to recognize it and critique it. If you're doing it mindfully, if you're engaging with this kind of of thing mindfully of like reinforcing gender norms and, and the way characters are presented, then it's, you know, I don't want to make overly broad statements any more than I already have, but I'd say it's like generally okay as long as you understand that you're doing it. But to just accept it passively is to let yourself, is to let it reinforce your opinions. And I think that is something that we we shouldn't let ourselves do anymore. Yeah, that feels like a like a good statement. Ugh. Like it's not that I want Rothfuss to rewrite this page. It's fine. But it's it warrants a chat. And now we have chatted and it is good. Yes. I, I think it's we should do better for our female characters, even if they are walk on characters, than to say they are young and pretty. But that's all I have to say on the matter. Yes, very good. Is there any anything else to say on this page? I am out of notes. This is the cider he made in the previous book, I think. Yeah, he said he made it yesterday. Did they actually say there was cider in the mugs? Or just did they give them mugs? Oh, yeah, can I get you some cider? You're right. Yes, yes, yes. Good, good, good. Oh, it was this morning. Was that in this book he pressed the cider? Or was that in the previous book? I think it was this book. It all blends together. It really does. (laughs) I think he gets the wheel and everything out, like, 
yesterday, but I don't know. Yeah. Just thinking about how there's been over a year's worth of pages. I didn't didn't really think about that, but 364, almost into two years of this book. Lord of mercy. This letter is from Sean, who writes three times. He only wrote once, but the subject of his email is three times. Hello, pagers. The main reason for this email was to offer my thoughts on wedding ideas. I'd like to suggest I'm telling you three times I do. I realize this needs workshopping since it doesn't quite make the most sense to tell the officiant. If you're doing personalized vows, maybe you could work in three times there. In my rereads, I really enjoy the idea of the trusted touchstone and what it shows about their relationship. And trust is an important part of a marriage. Also, a fun tidbit is that the first time this phrase happens is actually at the beginning of book one on page 40 when Kvothe tells Bast to listen three times, which Bast responds to quite seriously. I don't know if you touched on that since it was so long ago, and I only started listening around page 600. While searching, I did find that things seem to happen three times more often in the second book. Throughout the books, here are times when it seems like it might be significant. The thrice-locked chest, Telu asking three times before striking, saying sets of seven words three times, naming the wind three times, but really six, it's described closer to three times, if that makes sense. And I'm sure there's others I'm missing. I can't decide if there is some magical significance to the number three. Do you all see anything of note with the number three in the story? Is this pot whole cracked in pieces or is it a pot that is not a pot at all? Let me know what you think. Anyways, congratulations to the other listener and thank you for this podcast. It truly is a joy to listen to. Signed, Sean. Um, I'm going to jump right in and say that threes in stories are important. And I think this is a book that is aware of the kind of rules of stories. Um, so that's something that is being drawn from it. Uh, more practically, I think we've pegged the origin of the three times thing to Simon coaching Quoth through the plumb bob, um, at least like in Quoth's circle. So I feel like that's something he carried on to Bast. We might learn about that later. Uh, it could also be like a saying in the Fae, but I feel like it's something that Quoth internalized after that and that he passed on to Bast in kind of the same way that like, a gag that Jeremy and I do together will like turn into a phrase that I say and that Jordana picks it up. Mm. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I think I, I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeremy. Oh, I was just going to say that I, I think that I agree with Nick and I think that just in general, I think that a lot of the time uh, in our close reading, we tend to conflate things that are thematically important or significant, like the number three with things that might be like, significant in the plot of the book and i think that most things are more likely to be thematically resonant than the other thing Mm. okay so (laughs) i have a note that has nothing to do with jeremy's thing but it's a note on the letter and i want to say it uh because they mentioned that like the three times would be a cool thing to put in vows and you could be like, uh, like you could put it to like it, it, like my version also needs workshopping, but I feel like it's a slightly more workshopped version with what they had. But you could say like, um, I will listen three times. I will learn three times. And I am telling you three times. I will love you forever. Yeah. Which it could be like, a call and response. It could be like, yeah. will you this? I will. Will you this? I will. Will you this? I'm telling you three times. I will. There's a lot of really cute ways you could you could incorporate the three times thing. And it's yeah. one of those things that that has a lot of weight. Even if your guests don't know the reference, it has a lot of weight and is really like a nice kind of a ritualistic thing to say as part of a ceremony. So I dig that. Yeah. 
say also the only people who will probably remember the vows are the two people giving them. I don't know. Really touching vows will probably linger for a long time. By the way, Jordana is now available as uh, for a wedding as a, a wedding planner. Uh, what? <laughs> loves as we, yeah, oh yeah, Jordana. As we, yeah, that's okay, Jordana. I I know that uh, that you weren't sure you wanted to launch the business right away, but uh, I think the financials are in place, so we're good to go. So if you want to, I mean, page of the uh, wind is weddings. <laughs> no, 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 I'm so Can proud I- of you, Jordana. I knew you'd make something of yourself. This pod that's right, I never left. Your mother has been here this whole time listening. This podcast has been a waste of your time. Is that's my right, mother I'm from now. British? <laughs> what is that accent? Oh Jordani! <laughs> oh Jordani, I'm very proud of you. Always. <laughs> Uh, you oh, can have your mother as played by Terry Jones in drag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should all be so fortunate. Um, <sighs> and listeners, so Danny, I've never said this to you in real life, but I'm proud of you. How <laughs> <laughs> dare you suggest that my mother has never been proud of me? <laughs> You're getting real on this episode for some reason. Uh, anyway uh email uh jordana at weddingplanning.com slash page of the wind for a discount uh and jordana will plan your wedding for you at a very reasonable price very well (laughs) Uh, for all other inquiries you can email page of the wind at gmail.com sounds good and And we'll we'll see you all tomorrow (laughs) see you tomorrow then Another, another page <laughs> of, of the wind. wind.